The Remedy of the Age. Edward Wilder's famous stomach bitters certainly cure dyspepsia, liver complaint, indigestion in all its forms, intermittent fever, fever and ague, and all periodical diseases. It relieves colic and flux, cures costiveness, proves an invigorant of a mild and delightful character for delicate females, acts as an alternative and tonic for family purposes, recuperates the wasted and debilitated frame, strengthens the appetite, and improves the digestive forces. It is unlike all other bitters, its basis being pure old bourbon or copper distilled whiskey. While the body of all rival preparations is common raw whiskey or alcohol, which is in the highest degree deleterious to the system, this fact has of itself strongly commended it to the confidence of the public, and its usefulness has been attested by the unsolicited certificates of leading men in the medical profession, and the holy ministry. Purify the blood. The most active, energetic, unfailing, and rapid remedy known for those numerous diseases incident to an impure state of the blood is Edward Wilder's Sarsaparilla and Potash. This great medicine stands without a rival. It is perfectly peerless, manufactured with the utmost care from the purest and costliest materials. It has achieved a reputation for potency and thoroughness that places it in the front rank of popular remedies. Cure is guaranteed in every case where the directions are followed for those diseases, the most terrible of which the human body can be subject, namely, scrofula in all its forms, every known variety of constitutional syphilis or venereal disease, neuralgia, skin diseases, no matter how old or inveterate, chronic rheumatism, scrofulous sore eyes, glandular swellings of the neck, or elsewhere, chronic chills and fever, tetter, weeping sore leg, ulcers of every kind, pimples on the face, ringworm, scald head, falling out of the hair, or alopecia, white swelling, hip joint disease, chronic erysipelas, ague cake, dropsy, etc., Avoid consumption. No enemy of the human race is more to be dreaded and is more insidious in its approaches than that too fatal and generally prevalent arch-destroyer of health and happiness of myriads, consumption in its ghastly form. The duty of all is to guard against its first advances. This may be done by the timely use of Edward Wilder's Compound Extract of Wild Cherry, a preparation especially recommended as affording certain relief for all pulmonary complaints. Before it coughs, colds and catars rapidly disappear. It affords prompt and decided comfort in cases of bronchitis, laryngitis, and asthma, or phthisic. Likewise, it is the highest use in relieving the difficult breathing and distressing cough of those afflicted with consumption. In all cases of pneumonia or winter fever, it is indispensable. It has no equal in taste, efficiency, and power. 
Wherever used, it has not only given present relief, but effected permanent cures. Beware of arsenic! And all arsenical compounds, better, far better, endure shaking and quaking life through than tamper with this mineral poison, no matter how carefully prepared. Its extensive use in malarial diseases has already proven the cause of great and distressing injury. Use Edward Wilder's Chill Tonic for chills and fever, fever and ague, and every form, type, variety, and species of malarial or paludal fever or affection. 21-day chills, bilious or remittent fever, brow ague, lumbago, and every form of periodical disease. It has no equal. It affects a certain and rapid cure. It is purely vegetable. It is warranted to cure. Correct the stomach. It is a well-ascertained physiological fact that the origin of most of the ills to which humanity is heir is a deranged condition of, of the alimentary canal. The bowels become constipated and sluggish, and thence arises a train of fearful and distressing maladies. As a preventive and cure for these, Edward Wilder's family pills are unrivaled and without precedent. They are not excelled as a purgative and are especially recommended in all fevers and inflammatory diseases, in acute rheumatism, inflammation of the liver, brain kidneys, and bladder, in erysipelas, fever and ague, acute ophthalmia, or sore eyes, fullness of the head, vertigo, dizziness, blindness, etc. They are far superior to any known combination in the certain and rapid relief afforded in all the above-named diseases. Save the children! Too little care and attention is given to the preservation of the lives of the innocent, tender, and blessed offspring with which providence favors parents. The little folks chiefly suffer from the presence of worms in the system, which is indicated by a variety of symptoms, such as pains in the stomach, swelling of the abdomen, picking of the nose and ears, bad breath, variable appetite, etc. Should the worms be allowed to continue any length of time, death most frequently ensues. Mothers should therefore use Edward Wilder's Mother's Worm Syrup. It is superior to all other preparations as a worm destroyer. It is pleasant to the taste. It is free from poisonous ingredients. It is not dangerous, as are vermifuges and lozenges that contain terra alba, a most deadly poison. It has given delight to thousands and saved the lives of hundreds of children. Edward Wilder, sole proprietor, 215 Main Street, Marble East, Louisville, Kentucky. I flew the air with the greatest of ease, a daring young man on the dying side. <laughs>
Hi there. This is Hugh Yeeman, and you're listening to Historic Headlines, the podcast where we gain historical insight by examining newspaper articles from 50, 100, and 150 years ago this week. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Hey there, and welcome... Welcome to episode 35. Wow, I did that whole ad with barely a stumble, and then I stumbled on welcome. Anyway, here I am, sticking to my guns on doing this extemporaneously with no edit, so that error is staying in. Tonight, I am sipping a cup of homemade ginger tea because I'm a big dummy with no executive function, and I finished up my caffeine for the day a couple of hours ago forgetting that I intended to save a cup for my podcast. But what the heck, Uh, this ginger tea is delicious. I just took some frozen ginger from the freezer and shaved it, shaved a lot of it, because I like my ginger tea strong. And now I'm sipping it, and you can't stop me. Mmm, that's good. Can you hear the delight in my voice? I am brimming with delight, because... Last night, before I went to bed, I was getting a jump on the day, looking in Chronicling America for newspaper articles printed 150 years ago today that mentioned Syracuse. And I found this. The Emporia News, Emporia, Kansas, April 14th, 1871. A young man who officiates in a restaurant went to sleep in a Syracuse church last Sunday and suddenly astonished the congregation by awaking and calling out, Ham and eggs for two! Okay, so it's a silly little article. Five years or so ago, I might have passed this off as a joke that someone made up. But my instincts have been honed after six years of being immersed in 19th century newspapers. So my instinct said, that's not just a joke. That's got something underlying it, a a kernel of truth. And here's why I say that. I've seen a million of these little balmans, and they follow a general formula of just enough vagueness for both the writer and the reader to understand that this is just a joke and is not meant to be taken literally. Uh, The formula is usually a vague reference to a person with some vague characteristic like old man, and the time is vague. Like, the other day, an old man was on the train and blah de blah blah Nothing specific enough to really nail it down. This one there was something about the specificity of Syracuse, a young man who officiates in a restaurant and last Sunday, and what he said when he woke up, I smelled a degree of truth underlying this, and I had to track it down. And the search that I went through is easily one of the most enjoyable investigations that I've performed in the last couple of years of doing this podcast, if not since the beginning, and it's easily the highest ratio of delight to time spent on an investigation. So I hope you enjoy this as much as, as I 
enjoyed investigating it. So we're going to track the origin and the spread of this meme after this. Agents wanted. I will appoint an agent in every county of Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska to sell Adelton's patent Harrow on commission. Send for circulars. Myron S. Piper, Amarius, Kansas. And we're back. All the ads from this episode were printed 150 years ago today in the Emporia News of Emporia, Kansas. Uh, The same paper that that initial article I read you about the young man who woke up in church came from. So, going back to the newspaper archives, I didn't find anything initially because of an assumption that I made. By no means did I think that that uh, bit about last Sunday was accurate. I know how these articles sort of creep around from newspaper to newspaper and spread, so I figured, no, it's probably not, in fact, last Sunday because... You know, this probably came from other newspapers, so, but it probably happened within the last couple of weeks. That assumption was incorrect. This was actually the very last instance of this little story that I've been able to find. I eventually tracked down the original story to the Syracuse Daily Standard of July 25th, 1870 almost nine months previous to this. Ham and eggs for two. A young man employed in one of our best restaurants is attentive to church duties and doesn't believe in laboring on Sundays. Being a good Episcopalian, he attended church yesterday morning. All went smoothly during the service, but greatly tired from the week's work, he wilted under the sermon and went to sleep. His dreams were of business, very evidently, for all at once he sang out in a loud voice, Ham and eggs for two! There were a good many titters in the house of the Lord about that time. A gentleman sitting next aroused the sleeper and said, Young man, you must be thinking of ham and eggs. The young man sloped from that church lively. Hugh here. So that's the original article. And I've scoured the Syracuse newspapers from that time, and I haven't found anything else from the Syracuse papers. Now remember, there were three papers published in Syracuse at that time. The Daily Standard, the Daily Journal, and the Daily Courier and Union. And neither the journal nor the Courier, had anything on this, at least nothing that I could find. I'm pretty good at scouring these papers, but, I mean, nobody has a 100% success rate when they're gazing over pages and pages and pages of super blurry third-generation microfilm scans. Uh, But I'm pretty confident that this is the only article that appeared in a Syracuse newspaper, which is weird, because get a load of the spread of this meme. The next instance is on July 29th, 
1870. That's four days after the initial one. But first, this word from our sponsor. Cheap lands. Now is the time to buy lands in Marion County or to secure a good farm or make a good investment. We have choice lands for sale along the line of the AT and SFRR near Florence and Coneburg. Address Case and Billings, Marion Center, Kansas. We now return to our program. So after that initial Syracuse article about this guy who must have been supremely embarrassed already was four days later, July 29th, the Buffalo Daily Courier. So it's still pretty local, and uh, this was to be expected because the Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany papers had massive crosstalk. I mean, they functioned as a very close-knit community, throwing snark at their political enemy papers and camaraderie at their allies. So this appeared in that Buffalo paper. A young man who officiates in a restaurant went to sleep in a Syracuse church last Sunday and suddenly astonished the congregation by awaking and calling out, ham and eggs for two. Being fully awakened, he immediately went away from there. So the story is already compressing and developing. Uh, the whole bit about the, the young man officiating in a restaurant, I don't know where that came from. Either they just made it up because they wanted to flourish in the article, or they had some kind of inside information because all they said in the original article was that he was employed in one of our best restaurants. Uh, officiate seemed like, seems like a weird usage, but it got propagated through most of these articles that I'm going to read to you. Uh, the Buffalo article doesn't mention that he was an Episcopalian, but it does say something about him uh, immediately going away from there, uh, which is a, a variant on the last line in the original article, the young man sloped from that church lively. So that's the, the kernel of the article that got propagated because nowhere in any of these other articles that I'm going to read does it mention any of those details from that longer originating article. Now, this appeared in the Buffalo Evening Courier and Republic, essentially the same paper, but an evening version of that last one in identical form that same day. Then, check out how it jumped to uh, Pennsylvania. But first, a word from our sponsor. Dooley's Yeast Powder has long been regarded as the best and cheapest baking powder in use. Perfectly pure and healthy, it makes... At short notice, delicious biscuits, rolls, etc. There need be no waste of food prepared with it, as it is always of the best quality. We would say to those who have never used it that a very few trials will enable them to use it, not only with entire satisfaction, but with economy. 
put up full net weight as represented. Grocers and dealers sell it. Dooley and Brothers. Properties. Proprietors. 69 New Street, New York City. And we're back. This is from the Petroleum Center Daily Record. Petroleum Center, Pennsylvania, August 1st, 1870. So this is two days after the article got printed twice in those two Buffalo, New York papers. So now we're jumping down to Pennsylvania. A young man who officiates in a restaurant went to sleep in a Syracuse church last Sunday and suddenly astonished the congregation, same wording, by awaking and calling out ham and eggs for two, being fully awakened, he immediately went away from there. So that's the same as the Buffalo article. Now, the next day, Savannah, Georgia, a Syracuse waiter attended church on a recent evening and fell asleep. He wakened himself by bawling ham and eggs for two and soon left the sacred edifice. So I think, as far as I can tell, I mean, there's probably another hundred of these out there that I didn't find because of the crappy quality of the OCR, but from what I can tell, this Savannah newspaper is the originator of a couple of new flourishes. Uh, A Syracuse waiter now. They're calling him a waiter. He wakened himself, that's new, by bawling, B-A-W-L-I-N-G, ham and eggs for two, and soon left the sacred edifice. So that sacred edifice is going to show up in a lot of these as the meme spreads. More after this message. Stereoscopes, views, albums, chromos, frames, E and H.T. Anthony and Company, 591 Broadway, New York, invite the attention of the trade to their extensive assortment of the above goods of their own publication, manufacture, and importation. Also, photo, lantern, slides, and graphoscopes, new views of Yosemite, E&H.T. Anthony and Company, 591 Broadway, New York, opposite Metropolitan Hotel, importers and manufacturers of photographic materials. And we're back. Mm. Mm. I do enjoy the occasional cup of ginger tea. Now, moving on, same day, August 2nd, Terre Haute, Indiana. Same wording, essentially. A young man who officiates, uh, astonished the congregation, awaking and calling out ham and eggs for two. Next day, August 3rd, the Journal and Republican of Lowville, New York. So now we're, we're back to New York. A young man who officiates, yada, yada, yada. That might have come from Buffalo. August 4th, Rutland Herald. Rutland, Vermont. Same article. Aha! But this one has the sacred edifice wording. So I'm operating under the assumption that this Vermont article actually came by way of Georgia. Delaware Tribune. Wilmington, Delaware, August 4th. 
This one's interesting. I think this is the only instance of this particular wording. A Syracuse waiter attended church on a recent evening and fell asleep. He wakened himself by bawling ham and eggs for two. He always was opposed to going to church, but never more so than now. I kind of resent that one because nowhere in the original articles or any of the intervening ones did it say that he always was opposed to going to church. I, I don't think it's fair for them to ascribe to him such, uh, such qualities. Uh, but, you know, obviously they wanted to punch up the joke. But notice the use of the word bawling. So, again, I think that one might have come to Delaware by way of Georgia. Now, August 4th, same day, Wyndham Journal of Wyndham Center, New York. Uh, a young man who officiates at a restaurant. Yeah, they, basically the same article. Weekly Sumter Republican, Americus, Georgia. That's August 5th. Star and Sentinel, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, August 5th. Buffalo Express. Now we're back to Buffalo. It's been a couple of days. This is another Buffalo paper, the Buffalo Express. Same article, essentially. By the way, look at the show notes. Usually I don't bother to make images out of all of these articles that I find, but in this case, I wanted to give you the opportunity to have all of these reprints just wash over you vis visually and let this sink in. Typesetters across the country went to the trouble of putting metal type on a rack to reprint this goofy-ass little joke based on a dude falling asleep in church because this obviously struck a chord in people and they just jumped all over this to use it to fill column space. And I'm just delighted at, the, at, at observing how this propagated, especially since the people in Syracuse didn't seem to think this was that big a deal. Only one of three papers bothered to print it. Maybe they did it out of a sense of propriety? I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to embarrass this guy. I mean, the Standard didn't give a name, and the Courier and the Journal didn't print it at all. So perhaps they were trying not to embarrass this guy. I don't know whether it was that or whether they just didn't think it was newsworthy. But boy, see, this ties into what I was saying in the last episode. The view of a city from that city is always radically different than the view of a city from outside itself, especially during this time of industrialization and grasping and keeping up with the Joneses on a municipal level. There's always a draw to being able to point at another city and saying, well, look at those dumbasses in that city. We're worse. Nothing like that would ever happen here. We will continue tracking the progress of this meme after this brief commercial message. Stoves and tinware. John Bay, dealer in stoves and tinware, sells Buck's Brilliant Cook Stove, agricultural implements, plows and wagons, constantly on hand, 
don't forget the place, number 160 Commercial Street, Emporia, Kansas, John Bay. And we're back. On to August 9th, Columbus, Georgia. By the way, I went to four or five newspaper archives to gather all of these. I started with Chronicling America, went to Fulton History, went to New York State Historic Newspapers, and then checked Elefind, which contains a bunch of other newspapers in addition to the entirety of Chronicling America. Then... I had a vague memory that the Georgia Historic Newspapers website had an amazing repository, and I was correct, because I found six instances of this story in Georgia newspapers alone. So again, I'm sharing with you over 30 instances of this. I would be willing to bet that there's well over 100 that were actually printed at the time. Georgia Telegraph and Georgia Journal and Messenger, August 9th, same article. The States in Union, Ashland, Ohio, August 10th, same day, Green Mountain Freeman. Gallipolis Journal, Gallipolis, Ohio, August 11th. Gold Hill Daily News, same day, that's Gold Hill, Nevada, <laughs> so this is spreading all over the country. Can you imagine? You think you've done something embarrassing? You think you've fallen asleep and had people looking at you and tut-tutting and rolling their eyes and throwing shade in your direction? How'd you like it if you woke up a couple of days later and you found out that this story was going national? The New Paltz Times... New Paltz, New York, August 11th. Historic headlines will return after this commercial message. Junction Mills, now in full operation. We offer to the citizens of Lyon and adjoining counties custom grinding. Our terms are, give us a fair trial. Also, for the next 30, 60, and 90 days, we will saw logs delivered at our mills for 75 cents per 100 feet or on shares for two-fifths of the lumber, the best terms ever offered in Kansas. Now bring on your logs. C. Bex and Son. We now return to our show. Now, here's a unique one. I love this one because of the attitude of skepticism that it implies. The Morning Star, Catholic Messenger, New Orleans, August 14th. We don't believe a word of a story told of a restaurant keeper in Syracuse who, in church a few Sundays ago, awoke from a snooze and astonished the congregation by calling out, Ham and eggs for two! So think about that. This editor writer, whatever, in New Orleans, got this article from somewhere. It could have been any one of these newspapers. And it could have been sitting around for upwards of uh, two or three weeks now. And 
that person would have had no idea of the provenance of that article. They would have little means of verifying it because clearly people in Syracuse weren't very aware of this. Only, again, only one in three papers printed it. The, the story took on a life of its own only after it left Syracuse. The jumping off point seems to have been Buffalo, which is odd to me because I'm under the impression that, that Syracuse was actually, it occupied a more prominent place in the media landscape of this time than Buffalo did, although I know Buffalo was was very important. I think Syracuse was more prominent. I'll have to I'll have to keep that question in mind as I continue doing my research, but I suspect that just the multiplicative factor of having two Buffalo newspapers on the same day print this story gave it much more visibility. And that's the, the point when it really started to spread and then snowball. So my point is here, the, the guy at the Catholic Messenger had no idea whether that story was true or not, and he was, I'd say, more skeptical than I am. He was expecting this to be just a, a rumor or a story that got made up by some overzealous uh, newspaper editor. So he said flat out, we don't believe a word of it. Moving on, August 16th, Whiteside Chronicle of Sterling, Illinois, same basic story. The Weekly Standard of Raleigh, North Carolina, August 17th. Same day, Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, moving on to Washington, D.C., August 18th. Rome, Georgia, Weekly Courier, August 19th. Elk County Advocate of Ridgeway, Pennsylvania, August 20th. Historic headlines will continue after this message. Dr. Thomas F. Davenport, Dentist, 125 Commercial Street, Nitrous Oxide, or Laughing Gas, Used for Painless Extraction of Teeth. We now return to our show. August 25th, Heightstown Gazette, Heightstown, New Jersey. Now here's an interesting reprint. I don't know if the Washington, D.C. New Era made a mistake or they just thought it was so hilarious they went ahead and printed it again because we're back to that same paper on August 25th, a week later, and they've got the exact same article. Now on to Georgia again. Hawkinsville, September 15th. We've had a lull of about three weeks. And it pops up in Hawkinsville, Georgia. So, again, this is one of the more fascinating aspects of tracing the growth of memes during this era of social media, the lag time. The physical copies of the newspapers would just sit around the offices, and I'm, I've gotten the sense, after six years of following this stuff, that these guys had piles of stuff just sitting around, and they just grabbed it when they needed something to fill column space. So something could just literally physically sit around for months on end, 
without making a blip on the, the, the radar of the media landscape. And then all of a sudden, after that, after months of silence, boop, it gets printed again. And then from there, it can spawn more and more copies and resume life. The Tarboro Southerner, Tarboro, North Carolina, September 15th. Bloomville Mirror, Stamford, Delaware. That's uh, September 20th. Jamestown Journal, Jamestown, New York, September 23rd. And the Cambridge Chronicle, Cambridge, Massachusetts, that one's on February 18th. So we jumped all the way from September 23rd to February 18th. So the story seems to be on its last legs. And then after a gap of months, it crops back up on in February of 1871. And then there's an even bigger gap. Oh, no, sorry. It's, it, it's a still a, a big gap, but not as big, between February 18th and the article that I read you from 150 years ago today at the beginning. So, once again, I'm drilling home this point. One of the most perennially surprising and delightful aspects of my research is the constant reminder of the very first thing I learned in studying these newspapers. There's nothing new under the sun. Every aspect of modern social media that we think of as uniquely modern, uh uh-uh. It was already solidly in place by 1850, and I think this is exhibit A. This resembles the spread of a meme in 2021 to a T. It feels so modern and so organic in the way that it grew unexpectedly. I mean, this is this is the quintessence of a viral meme. Nobody in Syracuse thought this was a big deal. And then it took on a life of its own after it left Syracuse. I love this. So I hope you've enjoyed this as as much as I have. And I hope you get a chuckle as I did over the thought of this guy who was already mortified when he ran out of that church. And, And then days later, this guy had to find out that, oh no, oh no, this is being printed across the country. And, uh, I just, I think, you know, if I believed in an afterlife, (laughs) even though I don't believe in an afterlife, I am still chuckling my ass off at the thought of this guy suddenly rolling over in his grave after 150 years plus and going, you gotta be shitting me. I thought I had lived this down and you had to go and dig this up again. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. And until next time, seek context. This is Hugh Yeeman, and you've been listening to the Historic Headlines podcast. Thanks, as always, to Tom Trenisky for all his fabulous work on FultonHistory.com. 
Without his free repository of old newspapers, this podcast wouldn't exist. Oh, he'd fly through the air with the greatest of ease. A daring young man on the flying trapeze. His movements were graceful, the girls he could please. And my love, he stole away. 